0: on the Google Play or App Store, or visit them online at FishingBooker.com to book your trip today.
1: Hey guys and girls, this is Mark Kenyon of the Wired Hunt Podcast, and we're here with another episode of Wired to Hunt's RUT Radio. And with me is our producer, Spencer Newharth.
2: How you doing, man? Good. There's snow on the ground, uh, there's a chill in the air, and it's almost Thanksgiving, so I'm really happy. Yeah, this is uh,
1: this is the weather and like the feeling of hunting that I think a lot of us have been waiting for. Cause it's been a pretty warm November in a lot of places, don't you think?
2: Yeah, it's the cold front that's like two weeks late and that we were looking for at the beginning of November. I'm interested to hear what
1: our our correspondents across the country have seen, but you, my friend... You were able to get it done again, weren't you?
2: Uh, yeah, I was fortunate enough to harvest the coolest ear that I have ever seen on Hoof. On one side, he had a, a normal five point side, you know, nice long brow ties and stuff. And, you know, matching the other side, he probably been a 140, 150 uh, class deer. But then on his other side, he had like two mutant antlers one smaller antler that came up that was like your typical four point side. But then below that, growing out of the same base, he had this weird stag horn that came out like two inches and then shot straight up in the air and did a 90 degree angle that was 11 inches long. And so when I saw him, I knew I had to get this year on the ground. I was really excited when it worked out. Wow. That's crazy. So, so how did it happen? Well, we just got pounded um, with a big snowstorm on like Thursday and Friday. It dropped like four or five inches of snow on the ground. And it also brought some pretty heavy winds with that. And so going into this hunt, I was thinking less about rut activity and more about, you know, hunting a food source. So I, I hunted a cut bean field with hopes that I would see, you know, a high number of deer. And that was just what happened for that hunt. I saw like 24 doe and three bucks, you know, including this one. When I initially saw him, it was about 10 minutes of daylight left or so. Um, and I could just see his good side and, At that point, I was kind of on the fence about shooting him. You know, I knew he was a a good-looking deer, um, but I I just wasn't sure that this was the one I wanted. And then when he gave me a better view, I could only pick up half of what was going on on the other side, and I thought, you know, no, I'm not going to shoot this year. But then he eventually moved a little bit closer, and I could get the full picture uh, and see, you know, all the junk he had going on. I thought, okay, you know, this is the buck for me. And I I was really excited then when it worked out because initially I had him at like 200 yards and that was when I decided I was not going to shoot, but he worked his way all the way into 45 yards. Um, That was kind of when I got the idea of what this deer really was. And 45 yards with a a scoped rifle, uh, that's a chip shot. You know, it's like five yards with your bow. Uh, So it just, it it couldn't have worked out any better.
1: That's awesome. And so those bucks, were they just out there feeding? They weren't paying
2: attention to the does at all? Yeah, there wasn't too much rut activity there. Um, I did see one of the younger bucks leave his group of does to go bother a different group of does, but they shut him down pretty quickly, so then he, he moved back to the group that he had came out of this draw with. But it, it really seemed like mostly the deer were, were focused on food.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't seen anything too... Too ruddy here in Michigan a little bit. I was able to be hunting up in northern Michigan this weekend and uh, saw some does and a couple bucks, but nothing really going on between them. The buck had been spooked um, and the does were just kind of doing a thing. Um, and then in lower Michigan last night, I did see a bunch of deer, um, but it was all does except for one buck, which was the one buck I've been after. Holyfield, um, unfortunately I was not able to hunt, I was watching from <laughs> from the distance, um, I just was able to sneak over there just in time to catch the last light, but he interestingly was not with a doe, wasn't chasing any does or anything, he just kind of cruised out by himself, out to this edge of a field, looked around, and then walked down the edge of the field, looped into some tall grass, and then back in towards a food plot, um, so, you know, I think we're kind of reaching that point where most of the does have probably been bred and now you just have these occasional few stragglers that are probably coming into estrus. And uh, and when those do happen, I think the activity will pick up. But I don't know if it's going to be anything like it was, you know, two weeks ago when it comes to chasing and seeking. But, but I don't know. I guess I'm not the one to ask about that. You are because you've been talking to everyone,
2: right? Yeah, well, this episode, again, felt like one from mid-October where we were talking about how weather-driven the deer activity was then, you know, thanks to the warm weather. But this time it's a lot different. We started off talking to Justin Czar in Illinois with bowhunting.com, and he had talked about how he thinks this little bit of cold is going to get the deer moving good again. And then we went to Jason Reed in New York, and he was dealing with some t-shirt weather like a week ago, and then all of a sudden that turned into a blizzard, and that really shut down the deer activity for him. Then we went to Georgia and talked to Lindsay Thomas Jr. And he was on the complete other end of the spectrum. He was talking about how warm and dry it is down there. And if you have a, a good food source right now, like a food plot that actually survived or some good water for the deer, that would be key. And then we went to Mark Kaiser in Nebraska from deer and deer hunting TV. And his report was similar to Jason Reed. He had talked about how he was hunting in like 60 or 70 degree weather that then turned into this nasty cold and wind, um, So we're definitely at a point where the weather is is very important that the rut no longer trumps all. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm interested
1: to hear uh, hear what they have to say about that, and I think this relatively cooler weather is probably here to stay, right? I think at least long term we're not going to have any T-shirt weather again,
2: at least in this part of the country, right? Right, but if you are somewhere in the Midwest that just got hit with snow, it looks like it won't be here too much longer. I see in South Dakota, for example, there's some 50 degree days coming up next week and then even a little bit of rain today uh, that blanket of snow is going to be gone pretty quickly
1: yeah very true well i, I think uh there's there is rutting action still to be had so uh if you're if you're still out there hunting with a tag yet to be filled stay out there keep at it because good things can happen and uh i guess with that spencer should we get to these interviews because i know i am and i'm sure our listeners are curious to hear what the reports have been across country
2: yeah definitely and I- Two weeks ago before we did an episode, I tagged out in western South Dakota. And then last week before our episode, you tagged out in Ohio. And then this week before the episode, I tagged out in eastern South Dakota. So we better do one more episode next week just so one of us can punch one more tag. What do you think? That's true.
1: Well, I'm actually just about to head out to hunt tonight for Holyfield. So if we keep this streak alive, that would be pretty incredible. Well, then I I don't even
2: need to wish you luck. So I I think we know what's going to happen there. All my fingers and toes are crossed. (laughs) But seriously, good luck, Mark. And quickly, before we get to our first update, as all Wired Hunt podcasts are, this episode is brought to you by Sitka Gear. If you'd like to learn more about Sitka Gear's technical hunting apparel, you can visit sitkagear.com. And now, on to the show. Alright, and joining me on the line first is Justin Zarr, the general manager of bowhunting.com. Now, Justin, in Illinois, what would you say the buck activity has been there on a scale of 1 to 10?
3: Uh, I'd give it a 7 or 8 here over the last few days. You know, we had a cold front move through that finally brought some real cold temperatures, uh, you know, the last few days. And my trail cameras have been absolutely blowing up with with some really good uh, daylight buck activity.
2: And what phase of the rut would you say we're in then right now?
3: You know, I really think we're kind of tapering off on the backside, you know, of just the rut as a whole. Um, you know, my personal opinion has always been this, you know, 15 through the 25th of the month, um, I've always felt like it's been a really good time to to shoot deer. You know, I've shot a lot of, of good bucks during that time. And, and I always feel like, you know, the, the bigger deer, in my experience, tend to stick more to their core areas, you know, that early part of the rut where they're you know, breeding those does that are, that are local to them, that they don't have to travel for. And, you know, once they've, you know, bred those does, and now we start, like I said, getting to the tail end of the rut. This is the time in my experience where I start getting deer showing up on my trail cameras that I've never seen before, or maybe I lose some of my bigger bucks for a couple of days where I feel like they're starting to roam. They're starting to expand. They're looking for those last few does that are out there. You know, they're a hot commodity right now, these hot does. And, you know, the bucks are really looking for them. So, You know, we're definitely tapering off, but I think we've got another few days of, you know, pretty good uh, daylight activity. I mean, I had one of the deer uh, on one of the farms that I hunt. It's pushing almost 600 acres, and I had that deer on four different trail cameras during daylight, you know, in some cases almost a mile away within an hour. So I mean, he was covering some serious ground over the weekend, you know, looking for those last few does.
2: And, like, if you're looking to fill a tag right now, like you said, through the 25th you think is a great time, what are you looking for? Are you trying to find does? Are you looking for buck bedding? Uh, Is it food source time yet?
3: Well, I think the the does and the food sources are starting to go kind of hand-in-hand. I mean, they're always pretty much hand-in-hand, but, you know, we're starting to, at least here in northern Illinois, transition into some of these later season food sources. A lot of our crop fields are picked. um, So, you know, the deer are starting to hit, you know, some of the picked fields that they're not – they're starting to get to some of the food plots i'm seeing you know does are starting to group back up um you know a friend of mine that i hunt with saw a group of six or eight does together on on sunday morning which we haven't seen for you know a couple of weeks now while they kind of were dispersed during the rut so as these does group back up as they start you know going to those food sources i think that's where you're going to find these bucks uh especially in the evenings mornings and midday i think you know you still can't go wrong with with doe bedding areas these bucks are just cruising around, getting on the downwind side of those bedding areas and looking for any hot does that are left. So, you know, that's what I'm going to be doing the next couple of days is trying to key in on, you know, where these does are, are living now, where they're feeding, and, and try to get in there.
2: How about in this coming week or so, Justin, what do you think the buck activity is going to be then on a scale of 1 to 10?
3: Sure. I think we're going to still see a 6 or 7. Uh, I know they've been moving real good the last couple of days. We've still got cold temperatures. Uh, we got another little front moving through. Buddy of mine just saw a big buck chasing does, ran out right in front of him on the road this morning. So I think we got another good week of a uh, deer action here in Illinois.
2: Well, we got to talk about the buck that you just passed on uh, this last week. <laughs>
3: Do and we have to? Don't, yep, don't
2: mind. We have to. And if you haven't seen it yet, go to bowhunting.com's Facebook page and you'll see the video there. Uh, you had a ridiculously yep. close encounter there. Why don't you tell us about that deer and, and that hunt?
3: Sure. Well, you know, the farm that I'm hunting on, that's the, the 600 acres that I'm talking about. It's in a bow only area. You know, we're pretty close to, to the city of Chicago. So some of the collar counties around the city are, are archery only. There's no gun season. And that, that particular farm's in in one of those areas. And, and this deer I have two years of history with. I know for a fact that he's a three-year-old. Um, and like a lot of people out there, I mean, eventually at some point in my life, I'd like to kill a, a big, big deer, or at least. Have an opportunity to chase one. You know, it seems like you bounce from farm to farm and place to place every year. There's always one or two respectable deer around, but trying to find those, those big, you know, world-class type deer, it's a hard thing to do. So, you know, my my hunting partner Mike and I identified this buck has you know awesome potential. He's probably mid one fifties as a three year old, great mass, awesome brow times. He's just got everything you want, you know, in potential for an animal. And even though he would have been my second or maybe first biggest uh deer that i've ever shot with the bow you know we made the decision during the summer when we had velvet pictures of them that we were going to try to let them go another year you know you risk the neighbor shooting them you risk getting hit by a car ehd killed by coyotes i mean uh, any one of a number of things can, can happen to them but if you don't pass an animal like that you know you're never going to have an opportunity to chase him when he's 170 180 190 so this deer has got the potential to to get there so man i tell you he walked by me at, at 10 yards on um, on sunday morning and i grabbed my bow only for the purpose of turning my tactic cam to to film him with the tactic i never even gave it a second thought of of trying to draw back and you know having trail camera pictures of this deer a multitude of them for several years and knowing that i was going to pass him if i saw him certainly made that decision a lot easier um i got some other farms with some younger and uh smaller deer that i probably would shoot You know, it seems kind of counterintuitive to pass a 150 and go shoot a 130, but that farm, that deer, he uh, he got a pass.
2: Yeah, well, I hope I'm talking to you a year from now and, and he messes up for you then.
3: But... I hope so too, man. I really do. I think that in my interview, that was either the smartest decision I've ever made or the dumbest decision I've ever made, but we will find out a year from now.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, good luck with the rest of your hunt and thanks for your time, Justin.
3: No problem. Thanks, brother.
2: All right, and joining me on the line next is the marketing communications director from Crossman, Jason Reed. Now, Jason, in New York, what would you say the RUT activity has been there on a scale of one to ten?
4: Well, for uh, everyone but me, it seems to be somewhere around uh, seven or eight. I got a lot of friends that have had a great, great couple of weeks. Been pretty tough for me, but um, I know that uh, through the first two weeks, um, the first ten days, especially. Um, activity was pretty high, and uh, a lot of chasing, uh, a lot of classic rut activity. But uh, we had uh, a lot of up and down weather, which definitely pushed a lot of things into the night, you know, into the uh, nocturnal state. You know, pushed a lot of bucks nocturnal, a lot of that uh, classic rut activity. And especially we just got hit with a giant storm here, so that that's locked down a lot of activity.
2: And so, in particular, in this last week or so, what stage of the rut do you think they're in?
4: Uh, in New York area? Uh, you know, I, I, it's kind of interesting because my dad shot a buck on Thursday. I um, think it was the 17th, and that buck was seeking. He was on a trail of some that had gone through in the dark. and uh, So he was up on his feet, you know, following their trail. I think as the weekend progressed, it seemed more reminiscent of maybe some lockdown activity because during, you know, on opening day of Rifle, um, I saw... You know, two bucks that were completely alone. And uh, so it's kind of hard to say. It seems like, like I said, especially because we had this giant storm hit, tough to say exactly where, which stage they're at. um, As I've seen it, Seen them you know, bucks solo to bucks chasing uh, in the last five days. So,
2: and talking more about that storm, uh, you know, what was the weather like during that? And, and coming out of that storm, now, what do you think that will do to the deer activity?
4: Yeah, well, it was interesting because you know Saturday morning was opening a rifle. Um, well, actually, let me back up a little bit. So Friday, my dad um, was sitting for a doe and had a big, you know, 130 inch eight point, um, basically locked down a doe um, behind the stand. And so he backed out and called me and I took the long way around into the stand. Um, and I sat, I had no food. I wasn't expecting to sit all day. So I snuck into this tree stand. The deer were only 125 yards behind me. And I spent, you know, close to eight hours in that tree and they did not move. Um, and it was 60 degrees out. So we get into Saturday morning. Uh, I walked in my tree stand in my shorts. Um, and the first couple of hours were extremely warm. You know, one of our guys shot a big nine pointer, uh, And then all of a sudden the storm hit. And we had winds that were probably between 30 and 40 miles an hour. It got cold and, you know, into the 20s, driving uh, snow. And uh, we had trees breaking all around us. And that forced the deer and just to bed up. And so the only way we were able to get any action was to push them. Uh, don't love doing pushes, but they work. You know, from from a strategic standpoint, and that was really the only way we were able to do is by scooching, you know, still hunting and and doing drives. And we jumped up a couple that were batted up in the, you know, in the big blowdowns. Um, I think what that's going to do right now for the next couple of days while this storm's coming through, I think those deer are going to be, they're really just going to sit tight and sit near food and not move much until it breaks uh, towards the end of the week. How about
2: going forward in this next week or so? What do you think the buck activity will be then?
4: Well, I think, like I said, once the the storm breaks, I think you're going to see a flurry of activity basically from Thanksgiving Wednesday through Thanksgiving weekend. I think the activity in general is just going to spike because they're going to be, you know, they're they're just basically on lockdown until the storm passes. Uh, So I think you're going to see an uptick in all deer activity. I think probably I would wager closer to a seven or an eight on that scale probably just because of how bad the storm is right now i would be focusing i'm gonna focus on sources going forward
2: all right jason well i hope your season turns around for you then and good luck with the rest of the year thanks for your time thank you spencer all right and joining me on the line next is lindsey thomas the communications director of qdma now, Lindsay, in northern Georgia, what would you say the buck activity has been there on a scale of one to ten in this last week or so?
5: Spencer, I'm gonna say
2: uh, four. So four—that's that's pretty low. It seems like—is that normal for this time of year there?
5: No, it is definitely low. I mean, uh, in the middle of North Georgia right now, you know, uh, in the around mid-November into the, the 20s uh, of November is normally a great time of year, but we've got A lot of sort of, I don't know, uh, unfortunate conditions right now between warmer than normal temperatures, uh, a super abundant acorn crop, and a severe drought uh, throughout most of the state, which is true throughout most of the southeast right now. You know, you combine all that, um, food plots are pretty much dead, acorns are abundant wherever deer go, and it's just been warm, and it's just created a tough hunting conditions out there. The rut, of course, is still happening um, you know, it always does happen in any location, the typical time it normally happens and those are still getting bred. But folks that I'm talking to and myself included just are not seeing uh the daytime activity for by any deer. What little is being seen uh right now is younger bucks uh that are trailing those or maybe doing a little chasing, but for the most part, um it is, you know, by and large, uh, everybody I know and in, in, in my hunting experience is it is a slow season right now?
2: Well, that's that's tough to hear. But what kind of adjustments do you think that hunters can make, knowing that that uh, you know the, the food sources are different right now and it's uh, dry and warm?
5: Well, it's just they're just going to have to make sure they don't fall back on their favorite old stands or patterns that they that worked for them in the past. Particularly, you know, a, a lot of folks who that I know who are used to going and climbing a stand over their favorite food plot every year this time of year just can't do that. The the food plots literally are dust. Um, And that's true in uh, Georgia, Alabama, uh, Mm -hmm. on in Mississippi, up into Tennessee, just severe drought conditions right now. Now, coastal Georgia is a little better off because uh, Florida, coastal Georgia, coastal South Carolina, we all got a dose of rain when Hurricane Matthew came through back in October, and that has pretty much saved uh, the food plots in those areas. But for most of the states of Georgia and the rest of the southeast, food plots are uh, Mm -hmm. gone. They're a non-issue. And there's not even enough moisture for anybody to try to replant those, and none in the forecast. So um, going to a food plot or, you know, hunting patterns that were based around food plots this year is just out of the key. Don't do it. Um, And then, you know, we know that in a year with uh, abundant acorn crops like we've got this year in in most of Georgia, and I'm hearing that in a lot of country too, but in Georgia, you know, the fact is when you have a high acorn crop, you're going to have a low deer harvest because deer just apparently don't move as much. And they don't have to to find the food. So, you know, you 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 can't go to places where you, you are used to seeing a lot of, of deer movement because uh, deer just are not roaming that much. The does are not having to roam that much, and therefore the bucks don't have to roam that much to find them. So I would say, you know, go to areas you don't normally hunt. I would say stick to thicker cover. Um, certainly look for areas that are, where there are acorns, but that's not going to guarantee uh, sightings and deer activity this year. Um So I would say, you know, go to those thicker areas, go to those areas with less pressure, um, and and try something new, change anything up, but don't go fall back on um, old patterns and particularly not food plots. Say get in the woods. I mean, it's it's warm, you know, we are having tough conditions, and right now it's warmer than normal. We're finally getting a little cool weather now, but get in the woods because we like we know um, the rut is still happening, deer are still getting bred, so you can't you know take advantage of that if you're not out there.
2: Absolutely, and. With that said, what phase of the rut would you say we're in right now in northern Georgia and coastal Georgia?
5: Well, coastal Georgia, we're pretty much post-rut now at this point. And that's where I do most of my hunting. Our rut peaks in uh, the breeding dates peak in late October into early November. Uh, and, it, and it kind of, as you move north through middle Georgia and up into north Georgia, it, it, it runs later. Um, generally, mid-November to right now, Thanksgiving week is very good time right now in, in middle and north Georgia. So, you know, over the next week, if we hold some of these cooler temperatures, maybe it gets a little bit colder, um, I think that uh, Thanksgiving week could be very good. Certainly people are still seeing some bucks. You're still seeing some good bucks killed out there. That's going to happen, you know, any year. But but most everybody I know is just saying, you know, we're just not seeing the amount of activity we're used
4: to. I know a lot
5: of people that have said very tough season. So um, still got some good times ahead in, in the middle of North Georgia over the next week to two weeks. And then, you know, as you get down into southwest Georgia, uh, it gets later. We get a little bit of that kind of Alabama action where the rut spills over into December and then even into January. So um, we're kind of all over the map, but for most Georgia hunters, that, you know, we've still got a good week to two weeks of, of what could be good rut activity ahead.
2: And, and let's put that on a scale of one to ten. Uh, what do you think the buck activity is going to be there in, uh, around that Thanksgiving time frame
5: I'm going to be a little pessimistic, um, Spencer, and I'm going to say a six because even though if it gets cooler, uh, we've still got the acorn factor, we've still got the drought factor, um, we've still got these unfortunate conditions that are really changing up the way uh, deer are moving and 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 at least in response to patterns we normally expect them to hold to. So I'm not optimistic that it's going to bust wide open and, and everybody's going to be seeing all the, the red activity. I mean, I'm seeing... You know, we're seeing those and deer in the ditch of highways, which shows me they're moving. They're just maybe not moving um, during daylight hours or in places we don't really expect them to move. So, you know, the rut's happening. Um, I don't expect it to suddenly become, you know, red hot uh, over the next week. I, I, but, but I think, um, you know, getting later in the year, a few more uh, cooler nights uh, like we haven't been having, hopefully on the way, um, we'll say we'll say it's going to be a six over the next week.
2: Right, Lindsey. Well, I, I doubt that you are, but I, I hope you're wrong, uh, you know, for the case of those southeastern
5: hunters. I do, too. I hope everybody gets a 9 or a 10 out it, myself included. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining me, Lindsey. Okay, Spencer. Thanks so much for calling. All right, and joining us on the line last is outdoor writer and co-host of Deer & Deer Hunting TV, Mark Kaiser. Now, Mark, in Nebraska, what would you say the buck activity has been there on a scale of 1 to 10 for this last week or so?
6: Well, on the property I was hunting, which is in southwest Nebraska, close to the Kansas border, I would say it was probably a 6 or a 7. It wasn't off the charts, uh, but it definitely was active. And the reason I rate it just a little bit lower is what I said, the property after getting on this particular property, I noticed that the deer were bunching up on a neighboring property, and it all came down to one big reason. and that was food. That other landowner had dumped a ton of water on his uh, uh, winter wheat, and I think he had winter wheat and alfalfa. So he had irrigated it. It's been a warm fall. Uh, There's been a lot of growth going on, and the deer were bunching up on that side of the river, on that side of the property, and we were just getting residual traffic because of that on the property we were hunting.
2: And so what phase of the rut would you then say uh, that we're in?
6: Well, the phase of the rut at this point, and when I was in Nebraska just three days ago, is definitely peak breeding. They're breeding uh, a few, in fact, some of them are wrapped up. Some of these does are actually going back to their fawns, regrouping. But the the lockdown period, as many people like to describe it, is probably on the way out right now. Lockdown was just a few days ago. A lot of the does are beginning to move back to their family groups. Uh, like I said, pick up go- their fawns again. So you're going to see some of these older bucks cruise a little bit more, a little bit further. And one of the things over my, I don't even want to say how many years I've been hunting because it'll age me, but over my many years of hunting, I see is that Thanksgiving, particularly Thanksgiving Day, because I, I hunt a lot on Thanksgiving Day, those older bucks will do a little more cruising and leaving their safe zones, leaving their sanctuaries. So you may pick up the buck for a lifetime that you've never seen before in the next three, four, five, six days because he's trying to get that one last doe bread, and he'll leave his home territory to do it.
2: This time of year, then, would you say that there are any calling techniques that are effective?
6: You know, calls can work any time during the rut. But what I find as the, as the rutting and the breeding winds down is these bigger bucks especially become less susceptible to calling. Over Thanksgiving, I've spent a lot of time in Montana. It seems to be one of the places I end up always at Thanksgiving hunting, you know, a couple of days before, over Thanksgiving, a couple of days after. And what I usually end up rattling in at that time and calling in are three-and-a-half-year-olds. It just seems like they're, you know, they're supercharged. They're they're the rock and rollers of the whitetail world. Four-and-a-half-year-olds to some extent, too, but... Uh, You're just calling in more of those younger deer. It's rare to call in a big, mature deer. He's tired. uh, He doesn't want to fight. He's just looking for a little bit of love, and and he's looking for some food, starting to think about food and and the winter ahead.
2: Now, that area that you were in, the weather could be pretty variable there this time of year. I imagine you could have a a 70-degree day or you could have a blizzard. Um, At this phase of the rut, do you think that factors into buck movement?
6: Oh, absolutely it does. But at the same time, they're, they're wanting to go out and breed. So we had that exact scenario when I was in Nebraska. We started out hunting in temperatures that were in the 60s. It may have even got to 70 the first day I was there. But the last day I was there, it actually, or the second to last day, it snowed. And temperatures were down around 20. And then we stayed the next morning. I had to drive to Montana, but we stayed uh, for one morning. And it was 12 degrees. And on that 12-degree morning, which would have been the 19th of November, there was just a lot of movement going on right then. So, yes, those those whitetail bucks, you just got to remember, and those, are wearing their parkas at this time of the year. They cannot predict if we're going to have an over, uh, you know, a, a, a warm fall, over above average warmth. But they can. But they always plan for cold. So they grow that parka, they have to wear it, and if you get 60 degree temperatures, especially, it gets uncomfortable for them to move. So they'll lay down a lot more then than they will when it's 30, 40, even into the low 50s. I, th- I think I've seen some stuff around 55 degrees. Uh, once it gets above that, it's when the deer traffic starts going down because they're just too hot
2: what about going forward then in that area what do you think the buck activity will be there in this next week or so on a scale of 1 to 10
6: you're you're going to definitely see it going down and so i would say it's probably i'd say it's rated at a 5 now not only uh is it going to go down because of the uh the rut is winding down but also because there's been so much hunting pressure you know these these deer have been hunted one way, shape, or another in many of these areas of the Midwest, the central part of the United States, from September on. And the gun season just wrapped up on Sunday in Nebraska, which you've been asking me about. So they they got they had a nine-day season those deer got chased. In Montana, where I'm at now, these deer have been hunted uh, with bow and arrow since September and guns since uh, the third week of October. So they've had a month of hard rifle hunting on them that makes a big difference. And I'm seeing it right now here in Montana. These deer do not want to come out on these fields until the last five to 10 minutes of light. The big bucks, they come out and they'll chase, but they're not, they're just not cruising in the open. I'm sure they're doing it in these timbered bottoms. We just, I've been a little bit uh, leery about going into some of the, cause I'm just new to this area. It's a new area I'm hunting. So I haven't really uh, felt like I had the knowledge to go in and tear it up in the timber, but They're definitely not coming out on the field until the last few minutes of
2: shooting light. Right on. Well, that's some great intel, Mark, and thanks for your time, and good luck for the rest of the season.
6: All right. Thank you, and good hunting, everyone.
2: And that concludes this week's episode of Wired Hunt's RUT Radio. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating, and follow Wired Hunt on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Spencer Newharth. Thanks for listening, and have a happy Thanksgiving.
0: I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You